And we're back. Post show for four ninety eight. Mm-hmm. This is a supersonic rocket ship by the Kinks. If I didn't mention, mm. um, you don't mind if I finish this. Go contrarian, for it. Yeah, no, right? go for it. Mm. You don't mind if I finish his other half, then, do you? Go for it. There's probably a lot in there. There is a lot. Be careful. Yeah. There's some left. I mean, you're welcome to finish it, but I just didn't want you to pour like 14 ounces <laughs> and you're like, what? What is going on? Mm. Smells good. Yeah. All right, let me see that lock. <laughs> this lock here? Yeah. I'm going to try my... Uh... I, I didn't use this. I used a, a better uh. lock set, but I want to try and see if I can... Pick it okay. now, but uh, I thought you were gonna pull like, one of those like trigger gun things. Oh no! no. <laughs> it was just it, it, it's a little doohickey I found on on Crafter, you know, on Amazon, where it has a uh, uh, it, it's like a folding knife. Yeah, but it, it's a bunch of picks apparently, yeah. and rakes and whatnot. Oops. You know, I think there we go. So it's got the little. Uh, Tension wrench. Tension wrench, and then it's got a couple picks and rakes. So I'm just gonna do do a single pin pick. Get attempted anyway. Okay. So, what else has been happening, Jeff? Um, I did the kids marathon today. What's a kids marathon? The kids marathon, Pittsburgh marathons tomorrow, and today was the kids marathon. So. The kids run a mile, but they call it a marathon because you're supposed to do 25 miles of prep work before the day over, you know, what? several, over several months, right? Okay. But like, what do they say? Like 15 minutes of play, you know, or maybe it's 20 minutes of play is relative to a mile, that kind of thing. So, oh, okay. Yeah, but they also don't keep, they also don't keep tabs, right? You could just show up on that day. Right. Yeah. So we went, and there was like 7,000 kids in the kids' marathon. So they have a bunch of different waves. And the adults run with them, or can run with them. You don't have to. They have a pretty good scheme set up where you can show up at the finish, and the kids are kind of all crowded until the parent shows up type thing as well. And uh, for our wave, for our heat, I mean, Max was right up at the start line. Like, right at the start, like... And when they said three, two, one, go and hit the horn, he took off running. <laughs> like he was on pace for running like a seven-minute mile. <laughs> it's not the right way to throw the man. And I am, you know, like I was letting, you know, so I was back a couple like rows, like right. behind all the kids, and like kids are gone, right? And so I'm like, Max, like slow, like slow down, dude. Like he's been doing like stuff. He's been going to school early once a week for the last couple weeks. To get prepped for this thing. So I thought pacing was something that he had learned. Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so, like, we started at um, Mazeroski Way Got and... Uh, oh, wow, that was quick. And um, General Robinson, you know, right where the Mazeroski statue is? Like, on the west side of the baseball stadium. And you run across the front of the stadium and you turn across the Clemente Bridge. So how... How many feet is the stadium wide? Like probably 800 feet or something like yeah. that, right? Um, before we got to the turn, he was already like out, out and walking. <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> so like he blew his you know he blew his endurance like yes. before even making the first turn in like the first 800 or 1000 feet and uh was, and then they walked and when he started running he'd sprint again I'm like dude that's not how you do it and he's like not in the mood today to listen to his dad like with all these kids around he was running around with Bobby his friend from down the street and that's um, fine he's just having fun with it yeah so we got we, it took him about 13 minutes 12 minutes and 50 seconds to get to the finish line and um, yeah that was fine so we I mean we just did the yeah so I ran my first I had my first marathon bib and it's because of Max. <laughs> well that's that's cool. Let's see, trying to find My heel has been I think I have plantar fasciitis or whatever. My heel's been killing me all day. I have to go to the doctor. I don't know what plantar fasciitis is. Yeah, there's ligaments on the bottom of your foot that connect the heel to your arch and stuff, and those get torn or something. As best I know. Hmm. Um, basically they put you like in a brace that keeps your like kind of toes pointed up. So you're kind of stretching that whole part of the thing mm-hmm. and then you it heals. So it's like a couple weeks of light duty while you're in a brace where you're keeping your heels stretched. So. I could have bone spurs, but reading up online, it sounds the, the amateur doctor in me right. says plantar fasciitis. Mm-hmm. Hey. All types of if, it, if it's not, it's bone spurs. I didn't read the remedy for bone spurs, so it doesn't sound like it'd be as easy to fix as plantar fasciitis. So it seems like I got better at picking because mm-hmm. I was able to do that in about two minutes. Can I try? I probably won't be able to get it. Yeah. Let me just try. I mean, if you want to pick one of those fireboxes, I can. I mean, these are the keys to the small firebox over there. Oh, we'll have to get down. Unless you want to bring it up. Yeah, the small one right there yeah. you can pull. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure these are the keys to the small one. It's not locked right now, so you probably want to see if these can okay, lock it. Okay, let me move this stuff out of the way. Or you can use your lock pick to actually lock the lock. <laughs> I guess I could. I tried to... Huh? I don't think this is not the right key. Not the right key. Okay. I'm not sure what keys those are because uh, they say firebox on them. And I'm, the other firebox has the keys in them. So I am not sure. Where's the tension wrench at? You... It's not in there. Did you put it back uh, in there? I thought I did. Here it is. Thanks. I don't know. I've never seen those keys before. But I think uh, I thought they were for that. Got this century here. That one's a lot bigger, heavier. You can pull it up if you want. Oh wow! You're not kidding. Okay. (laughs) 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 All right. Here you go. There's your picks. Oh god. Okay. Uh. Ooh. Got double bidding. Oh. I've never worked with Slender. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna try. I, I've never. I don't even know how to do it. Currently, right. So. Never learned. All right. I wonder there. if it actually has tumblers on both sides, or whether the key is just made to, for convenience to go in either way. I think that they usually have. I think they do have tumblers on both sides. But I could try to, to flip it upside down and see if it'll go in. It does go in, but doesn't. 
Goes it both ways. Oh yeah, yeah. But it has the same king on both sides. So I'm wondering yeah. if tumbl- I'm wondering if Tumblr is only on one side. Oh. And then they made the key for convenience. Oh yeah, that's or possible. Or whether the tumble is on both sides. And that would make a pick more difficult for sure. Yeah. I'm not gonna try. Gonna you would, ha- you would have to have a tension wrench that will let you access both sides. Right. Right. I mean you can do like top of the keyway uh so I, I have some of those because I got like a set and I have some top of the keyway stuff but mm-hmm. so you just you, you, you wrench it at the top okay because you're wrenching like I would at the bottom of that one so yeah but I've yeah I've, I've, I've tried with the top and I, I have trouble with it I'm raking the lock and it ain't going <laughs> no I have not had good luck with the rakes yeah uh, single pin was, was easier for me. Ooh, oh, got I it. raked it. Nice. I raked it, baby. <laughs> you know, getting a feel for the tension on the tension wrench mm-hmm. is important. Yes. Um, it seems like to get those pins to get stuck, you have to put a fair amount of tension on it, but you actually don't. Yeah, you have to be a little conservative sometimes with your tension. And yeah, that's what I found with starting out, is that a lot less tension than, uh, than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. So you're using the, the uh, rake like an actual rake. You, you're using okay. a city rake. I've, I've heard, at least what, what they say online is, city rake should be more used as like a up and down as opposed to raking oh, back and forth okay. you should use like a Bogota or something okay. which is sort of like the three things for, for raking but I mean, what works, works works it right? works yeah what works works probably won't be able to do it again probably got lucky that's the thing about raking is essentially yeah. it's about getting lucky yeah uh, single pin picking is more about just sort of feeling your way yeah. inside oh well that's not good radio so <laughs> But I picked my master lock. Yeah, uh, the, these are these are relatively easy to pick, from what I understand, because mm-hmm. there's only four pins. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you went inside and felt that you could feel that, I'm using. I'm gonna use this as this is what I used. Mm-hmm. Just that for yeah. picking. You just sort of jam those pins up there. Um. Let's see if I can do it again. See, so, yeah, they say this is, this is an easy lock to, you know, or this is, I guess, intermediate mm-hmm. lock, yeah. and I was happy to be able to, to pick it sometimes, but we'll see. <sighs> okay. Um, what else has happened? We talked about the black I, hole. I'd be curious about how, excuse me, how different it is, just a lock in your hand right there, mm-hmm. and that actually locked to something, right? Like how much harder it would be when you don't have freedom of movement on right. the lock. So we talked about the black hole. Yes. Oh, I saw today. Do you see that the Hubble Ultra Deep Field? There's a new Ultra Deep Field? Yeah. 16 years of, of, of images all compiled into Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw it this morning. 
it has kind of a, a viewer where you can kind of zoom in on stuff. There's like 200,000 galaxies you can see in the ultra deep field. Okay, wow. 200,000 galaxies. Yeah, and it's a tiny like postage stamp yeah. size. Like if you put, put hold a postage stamp up to the sky and you at arm's length, that's about how much of the sky we're looking at. And that's has it's, it was a relatively empty area of sky, which is why they image it with the right. the long term thing, and, and it's just full of galaxies. Yeah. Just all the galaxies. Yeah, it, and and it was a real expression of of the idea that the universe is very very big, uh, and uh, goes on very 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 long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very interesting. The uh, Hubble Deep Field. Hmm. Yeah. So check that out. I, pretty, I mean, it's always great. See, I mean, Hubble is, for some reason, maybe because it's in the optical, you know, wavelengths or whatnot, but, I mean, Hubble was just so good at capturing attention and people's imaginations and things like that. And most people probably don't even remember the whole problem. Nice. Locke is picked. People probably don't even remember that Hubble was, like, blind when it was launched. Yeah. It was... Uh, it, it had like it had it was able to do some science, but it, it had I think the mirrors were ground wrong or something. Yeah, and, there was the wrong base curve on the mirror. Yeah, and they were able to fix it with optics. But the co-star thing—that was the name of the thing. It's it wasn't like just a lens. It was this like array of like different things at different places to make stuff happen. I remember seeing like a diagram of it, and it was like. It's just some of that great NASA engineering, like Apollo 13. How do we make them not suffocate on the on the module for the extra trip around the moon, right? You know, like how do we purify their air with what they have, and how do we fix this bad prescription on the main mirror mm-hmm. on a billion dollar telescope? Yeah, well, I mean, that was they did put it in Earth orbit, so it could be. It was a slightly higher orbit than, than the shuttle normally took, mm-hmm. but it was it was still serviceable, and, and the intention was that it could be serviced. Yeah. So that was like if if James Webb ever gets off the ground, it won't be serviceable. Yeah. No. Yeah, James Webb's. Oh my God! Their the original estimate for launch was probably like five years ago, right? Right. Yeah. Jeez. Because I remember hearing about it like yeah. 15 years ago. And, it's, and James Webb is going to be a limited run because it's 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 cooled with helium, right? Because it's an infrared scope. Okay. It's not visible light scope. And it's going to a Lagrange point, right? Yeah. L2 or something? I think L2, yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be constantly dark. So, yeah. One minute. <laughs> so it's Earth-Sun on the backside of the Earth? or No, if it's gonna be, con- that would make it constantly dark. If it was in the, yeah, something is like that, that the L two behind the Earth? Like, the, the Earth will always yeah. be between mm-hmm. it and the Sun. I think so. Yeah, yeah. something like that. But I mean, those are those are not. I thought for some reason there's something going into the Earth Moon L two, mm-hmm. right? Behind the Moon, Whoa. that might be. Well, behind the- that'd be quiet from Earth interference. Right, but how would you communicate with it? If it's 
Yeah, the moon all the time. You need something in L3 or L4 to communicate needs, with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, L3 and L4 are stable. So that's that's nice. Those, mm-hmm. those the good thing about you know L one L two, they're not particularly stable. You have to use your yeah. uh, your your jets occasionally. L three and L four that's stable for like thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. So Hubble, I remember. Was it Hubble? It might have. I remember when I was a kid. I lived right by 79 in Franklin Park. And there was a telescope mirror being transported southbound on 79. Huh. So we went over to the bridge, and we were waiting on the bridge, and we watched the telescope mirror go, go down the highway. Wow, so was it like... No, it was, it was bigger. It was probably bigger than Hubble. It was two lanes wide. Hmm. I wonder what it was for. It was definitely a telescope mirror. It was in a big, like the corrugated metal that's on uh-huh. a shipping container. It was in this big roundish thing on a flatbed. It was all corrugated metal. Was it for a spacecraft? Well, if it was bigger than Hubble, then probably not, right? But it was, it was so it was. A, how big is the mirror in Hubble? Look that up real quick. If it's, I want to say it's only like eight meters. Eight meters. That might have been it then. Cause that's like twenty feet, right? Let's see. Seven point nine feet. So, oh, it's eight seven feet. I don't know if that would have been the. I mean, unless the the shipping container had to be twenty feet wide. Yeah, I don't. It might have had to. Yeah, maybe. But you also think that the the Hubble telescope mirror would have been shipped by airplane or something if it was only seven feet wide. Could it have been Chandra? No, Chandra's X-ray, so it wouldn't have been. No, maybe it was for like an observatory then, or the big mirror. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'd ever find that out. Like, <laughs> what mirror tra- it was was transported down seven, Interstate seventy nine when I was a young teenager. <laughs> What year was it about? It was in the nineties, early nineties. It wouldn't have been Hubble. Yeah, Hubble was already in place in the yeah. yeah. Hubble launched in nineteen ninety. Uh, but it was two lanes wide, mm-hmm. in a big beige corrugated metal container on a hmm. flatbed. Hmm. And the, the container was probably like eight feet tall. Six feet, six feet, eight feet. Tall. Where was it coming from? It was headed south on seventy-nine. That's all the information I remember. Hmm. I have no idea. But somehow it was in the news. My parent, mom, knew about it, and we walked over and, and watched the telescope drive under the bridge. That's cool. Yeah, or the telescope mirror. Yeah, I don't know what it could have been, but. Spitzer? I I have no idea. They all have smaller mirrors than Hubble, though, don't they? Primary mirror Spitzer is eighty is thirty three inches. Yeah. No. 
I don't think anyone's launched a bigger mirror than Hubble. So it must have been an Earth-based observatory. Yeah. There are lots of those. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let and you would think something like Hubble will, like would have been flown on a cargo plane. If Probably. It, if it could have possibly. Yeah. Right. From the place that ground the wrong fucking prescription. <laughs> Oh, it's hard to do. They, they had a lot. They had pretty specific tolerances. I mean, uh, oh, that's a good question. I wonder what the root cause analysis was, was on that. Like, was it a an error in like what they were told to do, or was it an error operator error? That's a good. Let's see. Let's take a look. Hubble. I'm sure Wikipedia has the information on that. That's the thing we could have. Um. Okay. Flawed mirror. Origin of the problem. Uh, a reflective null corrector, a testing device used to achieve a properly shaped non-spherical mirror, had been incorrectly assembled. One lens was out of position by 1.3 millimeters. Mm-hmm. So a test apparatus was put together wrong. Yeah. Oh. What? During the initial grinding and polishing the mirror, the Perkin Elmer analyzed the surface of two conventional reflective null correctors. However, for the final manufacturing step, they switched to the custom-built reflective null corrector designed explicitly to meet very strict tolerances. The incorrect assembly of the device resulted in the mirror being ground very precisely but to the wrong shape. A few final tests using the conventional null correctors correctly reported the spherical aberration, but these results were dismissed, thus missing the opportunity to catch the error because the reflective null corrector was considered more accurate. So they made a special device mm-hmm. to test it, and they made it wrong. I need to change my rankings on this show. I'm drinking the Rubens after drinking the uh, Silver Moon in the other half. It's fucking gross. Really? Taste it. It is... What is it? It's like tastes like tea, right? Well, that, that's why I put the ribbons in in second place. Yeah. There's sort of it, it's a green thing. It's more it's yeah. much more green. But it does. I mean, it tastes so good when we had it in the flight, and now like in my current flight, it just tastes wrong. It's it, it's not as delicious as this one was. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's weird. A little weird, but it's fun. Tastes like a tea type malt thing is the main thing I'm getting. Yeah, yes, that can work. Okay, so let's see. 1.3 millimeters on a test device. I mean, you built the test device specifically so that it, you know, can get these tolerances. I mean, but, right. you know, NASA's crashed spaceships into Mars because they used the wrong system yes. of measurements. So. Yeah. I think that they, I, I recently, I just recently watched like a, a Matt Park because Matt Parker's been doing this is his book about bad math, and uh, so we talked about it and and he, he said something that that because yeah, I remember that it wasn't inches to it, it was it was about like force pounds versus newtons. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, and it was something to do with the um, the. I guess the the amount of deflection 
from the acceleration of the engine to get it into the, the right orbit hmm. was measured in... And, and NASA had the right thing. They were using SI units and their contractor. Oh, okay. To use, like, See, it's points. funny because I thought it was uh, feet and meters at first. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I heard something just like four or five weeks ago where someone said that it was not that, but it was actually a scale. I want to get this. I, want, I don't remember exactly. My gut is like they're talking more like. Um, Meters to centimeters type thing. Like they got they left off like a, a, a divided by ten type thing. But now you're talking about yeah, that was a Mars Climate Orbiter. Yeah, uh, cause of failure. Uh, trajectory could. That might be fun looking at all the failed Mars missions, right? Because <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because like people might not realize. Like, it's hard to land on Mars. Like, we're, like, at maybe 50%. The software calculated the total impulse produced by thruster firing which results in pound four seconds. Uh, and then the trajectory calculation software used these results expected to be in Newton seconds. Pound four seconds versus Newton seconds. Hmm. But NASA does not place responsibility on Lockheed for the mission loss. Instead, various officials at NASA have stated that NASA itself is at fault for failing to make the appropriate checks and tests that would have caught the discrepancy. Mm-hmm. So, but if you look at failed Mars missions, right? I mean, there's a ton. I would love to see the uh, the list of why each one failed. <laughs> So sciencey wise, one of the reasons I got into lockpick was I was having trouble with my latest sort of sciencey thing, trying to understand. Because um, I told you I was talking, I was getting into spontaneous symmetry breaking and all the stuff in there. And uh, the latest thing that I'm trying to understand is uh, tachyon condensation. Tachyon, tachyon condensation. Okay, so hold on. Let's 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 start at the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. Tachyons are a theoretical particle of things that only move faster than light, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, More importantly, tachyons have imaginary talk, mass. They're talked about in Star Trek a lot. Yes. Um, but what did you say? They're, they had imaginary mass. Imaginary mass. Mm, those are fun. All right. So what shocked me when you said tachyons is you're like I was studying real science and mm-hmm. I'm doing a tachyon thing yeah. which tachyons seem like science fiction so um, bridge that gap for me so tachyon is a name for any particle that has imaginary mass and any particle that has imaginary mass uh, would travel at faster than the speed of light according to the way the math works or travel faster than the speed of light rather uh, it would it'd be impossible for a tachyon to travel slower than the speed of light um, so imaginary mass in the same way as imaginary time like for Stephen Hawking and stuff yes okay. it, it's the kind instead of the, of the real right axis of... it's the imaginary axis okay. right okay um, so Again, this is something that I'm having trouble mm-hmm. getting, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to, to, to give you the, the best way I, I can of describing it. So, 
So what happens is that in in certain situations you have uh, fields that have multiple components, including some imaginary components to them. So they the the math of the field requires using imaginary numbers to understand how the field works. And there are then configurations where uh, where things can occur in the imaginary area and and acquire mass. And that obviously doesn't make much sense. What does that mean for something to have imaginary mass? And what it essentially leads to is instability that instantly causes spontaneous uh, uh, spontaneous collapse of the field. And this is how these uh, why you get um, situations like the Higgs field where you have this condensate of, of of essentially weak energy, or not energy, but weak weak charge that can be taken at any at any value and 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 received at any value. So something, so an electron moving through the weak field is constantly interacting because any value that, it, that the field could possibly take, it does take spontaneously, no matter where that is, because it, because it, it collapsed. <laughs> that that's. Uh, uh, I was trying to follow. Yeah. I, to be honest, I, I, I have no idea what you just said. Um, I don't have much of an idea either. <laughs> the, the basic idea is that it, it because it's unphysical to have a, 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 a mass, this collapses, it becomes an a instability that collapses the situation. And this is uh, where the, the, the symmetry of the system is spontaneously broken at any value. So the idea is that you have, if you look at the field, if you imagine the field, then any value in any point will collapse the field, not just a specific value. Okay. So, uh, so that means that any energy will collapse the field in any value, okay. which means that uh, as long as as the field is in this configuration, some, something that interacts with it will constantly be interacting with it no matter what the energy value is. Right. Uh, and this leads to this, this situation and this is not actually I mean th- this is how like even though the electromagnetic field works this leads to a situation where you essentially have a dump of if you imagine particles moving through a constant electromagnetic field there's, there's a constant asymmetry to, to what they experience right it's, and they sure. essentially have you can model it as a constant interaction where they're they're pulling charge and dumping charge, pulling charge, dumping charge. Uh, in this in this field in this area where where the field is spontaneously broken. Okay. And this is called condensation. And the reason why the condensation happens is this tachyon condensation phenomenon. Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. that's the best way I can I can describe it, and that's why I went into lockpicking because it's like this is hard. <laughs> I yeah I I feel more lost 
in that description than many things that you've tried to describe. Everyone, I, I, I start like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get it. Then you're like, <laughs> okay, and the beer doesn't help. Yeah, no, so. the beer doesn't help, and I'm, I'm probably describing it wrong because I don't understand it. So how could I describe it well? Um, but it is a real phenomenon. This is this is a, a re- at least this is the way it's modeled. I guess is, is the way I put it. As this, mm-hmm. uh, sure. this this tachyonic, not really exchange, but that the, these systems are going into sort of a, a tachyon. Okay. Because, like I said, a tachyon just means that a particle has a, any particle that is imaginary mass is a tachyon, mm-hmm. and a particle remember is just a uh, a resonance in a field. So, if the resonance in the field is in the imag- has a mass term that's imaginary as opposed to real, which can happen in a complex field. If you're thinking about if you think about a field that has mm-hmm. multiple dimensions, I, I understand the words you're saying, and I understand how like you know circle, you know, that, <laughs> building upon stuff. Yeah, but then it's like it's on the other side of the fence. Like I can't <laughs> see it. It's a privacy fence. And... Yeah, no, and and I feel you because. There's there's not a lot of helpful descriptions about it, and there's not a lot of, of easy to find stuff to, to learn about it, which is why I'm having trouble figuring out. It's not like this is this is not stuff that this is stuff that's taught in graduate level like courses, second year or something like that. And I have not had very much luck getting uh, getting that information, nor do I have someone to walk me through yeah. the steps. So. Um... Like, MIT has a bunch of free classes and stuff. I think it's mostly around computer science, though. But have you, yeah. have you seen it? No, I've, I've looked at oh, online looked, courses okay. and things like that, and no, none of them go this far. This is okay. this is rarefied material. This is, this is uh, recondite stuff. This is stuff that even even most people in in the field don't look into this stuff. This is the, the area that I've chosen to be interested in. Right. <laughs> And it's stuff that's hard to get information on. Um, but it has to do with fundamental physical processes, including phase changes of even like stuff like water to ice. It's, it's funny. You know, like, the, the kind, you know, you're, you're interested in this, like, super specific, abstract thing, right? It's almost like there's so few, the field's so small that you, almost could make a difference except that <laughs> except that it's like that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for it's uh, so complex right that like, yeah. that you are a fan at best yes you're a fan of like some of the hardest shit out there mm-hmm. yeah no and and uh, yes I it, it's like like what you know supersedes like 90%, 95%, 98% of the human knowledge. Of but this field, of but this particular area. I'm just saying of human knowledge, right? But you're still a fan. Yes. In the field, yeah. right? You're yeah. Like, you're like, there's no way you could hope to like have a breakthrough in the field. Or, yeah, no. Or I'm just trying to understand it because I find <laughs> yeah. it fascinating and I find it really interesting. Yeah. And I just, I, and I, I care about the level of understanding it because... It, but you're in like the one percent of people who actually even know the field exists. Yeah, let alone rocks it a little bit. Uh, 
but I mean, I I could see somebody being just interested in juggling, right? Yeah. It, it's and I don't think it. I've often said this, and I, I continue to say this because I, I feel like when I talk about this, people either completely tune out or they get the impression that, oh, this guy is, is trying to act smart or something. And, and I, I feel like I have to constantly say this because I feel like it's important for me to constantly make the note that I'm not interested in this stuff because I think it's smart or because I'm smart for, for understanding it. I feel like anybody could get this if they put the time into it. Uh, I don't think I'm particularly smart or smarter than, than the average person. I think I'm hovering right around average. Maybe, maybe help. Maybe luckily a bit more than average. Maybe. I give you a few points over average. Uh, but I don't think that. I don't think I'm in the way in, in, into some couple standard deviations away from from the, from the general population because I. I've talked I think to you're being. I mean, okay. I, I want to talk about this. I think you're being a little bit humble. Like, I've talked to people who are that level, and they're way. I know, but also when you talk about average, there's a lot of dumb motherfuckers out there about there's, some uh, things. But then they're really smart about other things that mm, I'm super dumb about. There's a lot of people that don't just don't get into academics at all. I still don't know how my car works. <laughs> like I know most of it. You know most of it. There's know, people out there that don't know how to change a tire. Yeah. I mean, you choose not to change a tire, but you know how to change a yes. tire. You know, I, I have you, you know the parts of you know the parts of a tire to change, yes. right? There's yes. people most people who drive their cars do not know that. And I can follow the instructions to do most. And I'm, that's yeah, not hyperbole. Yeah. I would say most people who drive their cars don't know how to change a tire. I could probably change my brake pads. Need a big clamp. Yes, you need a clamp to push the the cylinder back into yeah. the thing. I watched Electro Boom was yeah. on how to do. A oh, brief. really? Yeah. Like, My dad taught me that. So yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. I'd have to like. The hardest part about changing brake pads, it like is the disc gets rusted to the hub and getting that broke loose. That's the hardest part. Yeah, you have to get it before that happens. Well, but if that happens, there's you a hammer and you use like a, a rubber mallet or yeah. a brass hammer or something that's not going to really like dent and ding mm. the, the brake pad. You can break it loose. That's the hardest part is getting the rust to break loose. Um, other than that, changing brake pads is pretty easy. The, the second hardest part is when you have the caliper off, like not stressing the uh, pneumatic hoses because like they they just seem like they want to hang like i don't want to break that hose that'd be really bad if i break that hose Uh right so like that's my stress the whole time the caliper is loose right it's like i don't want to break the hose yeah i yes i can see how that would be a problem (laughs) yeah um but what else i mean like other other things that like, I do feel like if I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm of the level where if I concentrated on learning something, I could get it. I feel like most right. subjects are like that. that. I think you're you're putting too much stock in average is what, I, this is what I was getting at. The average is a lot lower than I think you feel like you're placing it. And I'm not saying you're, like, that doesn't make you a braggart. You know, just just having the job that you have. 
it puts you way above average, <laughs> let alone your hobbies. I I don't know because I feel like there are there are people who have menial jobs who have skills that go underutilized. I feel like that. Right, if, right. No, if, I'm not saying you can be a tradesman. I'm not saying you're better than all the tradesmen out there. I'm not saying that at all. I'd say you're better than like all the service personnel out there and service people. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic yeah. there. But like, like, like you know, there's people who most of the service personnel are working that because they either can't make money doing the thing that they want to, or they, uh, or they're waiting for the opportunity. Like a lot of service mm. personnel are like actors or musicians. No, I, who are I, w- I wouldn't say most. I think a lot. I didn't say most at a lot. You, you did say most. Personal. Did I? Yes, you said okay. most of the people who are working in service jobs are actors. Is <laughs> what you basically? Well, no, said. I, 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 most of them are. are are working a service job because they can't make money doing the thing that they would rather do. I feel like... I, that... I, I'm not sure there's the would rather do thing. I think it's like, you know, they're working at the cell phone store because that's the place that hired them. Well, in, in a capitalist society where your job is your life, I can see how that's true. But I think that that's more... That says more about the society we live in than the people who have right. the, the position. I'm, I mean, you can be all the humble you want. It's, it's, I just wanted. It's to not even about humility. Out. It's about spectrums of of, sure. uh, of capability, and I feel like there are. I, I your capability to understand the advanced physics that you have is not average. But I worked at it to get mm. that way. Right. Okay. So your work ethic to. Your your geekiness, right? Because that's what geeks do, right? Geeks obsess upon the things that interest them, right? Your geekiness of your physics—that's still not average, right? Because I went because I went in depth into it. Like I've, still I've picked not up av- lots most, of the average person. Like I can play three chords on that guitar, the, but the I can't. average person doesn't obsess over something to gain the level of knowledge you gained. For no, in, for no practical reason. <laughs> for no practical reason. Yes. Yeah. That's geek, right? That's a geeky thing. But I feel like it's as it's as much nerding out on, on physics as it... While it has a real-world application, I'm not doing any of these real-world applications. And no. it, it's as much as me being a fan of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> in some sense. Uh, it just happens to be a, an aspect of reality as opposed to yeah, fiction. Uh, fiction. Sure. But you're also okay. Let's play this. You're also a science communicator. You do you answer questions on Reddit. Mm-hmm. You're you're adding to the sum value of our existence. Hopefully. You are. <laughs> so are you just just yeah. being by being a father? Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm not saying I, I'm not <laughs> I, saying I have to go through all these hoops. Cause... I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying you know you, and this isn't. I don't want this to be platitude central here. But I just, like, but also, but like nurses do that too, and and yeah, uh, it's and, and more practical. Housekeepers, sure. I mean, add to the human condition, right? I mean, there, there's, I, I. I I guess it. No, part... those two, those, 
the, the nurse example, no, you're not a nurse. You're not a fucking nurse. Yeah. You know, the good that you've done does not compare to even the worst nurse out there. Okay, does that make you feel better? I mean, other than the ones that are actually... It makes me a little shitty. <laughs> okay, the nurses that are actually killing people uh-huh. by, like, putting feces or in their IVs. Drugs. <laughs> you know, like, putting their feces in the mm-hmm. IV drip. You know, that... You're better than those people. Yes. But all the well-meaning nurses, you probably don't stack up to Ah, altruistic. Yes, Yes. that's the word. I couldn't get the one syllable right there. Uh, You had a lot of beers. I did have all the beers. Um, Now I'm completely derailed and self-conscious about being able to talk. Uh, Don't be. I know. I know. Um, I know. I'm just. I'm being. I'm being transparent. <laughs> yes. so I'm not. I'm not being like hard on myself. I'm just being transparent. Well, I'm not necessarily trying to be hard on myself too when I talk about yeah. this. What I'm, what I'm yeah. trying to express is that this is knowledge that is available and that is out there, and that I really do believe. Particularly anybody who would happen to be listening to this nonsense, but anybody who who is of the level that they're comprehending what we're talking about and and, and following along with with you know analyzing stuff on the level that we do would be easily able to do, I feel, the this this stuff if they just concentrated on it. I'd probably feel that way because I was able to do this stuff just by concentrating sure. on it. And I don't feel like I'm particularly special. Right. I mean you're concentrating on some pretty dense and boring shit. Yes. Stuff. But and... because I find it amazing. And and other people don't, sure. and I get that, but I find it like I mean, awesome. you could have just as easily been hooked on some biology thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Some drug interaction. And there are times thing. I wish I was. There are times I wish I, I got into material science because there's a whole bunch of oh really my, cool stuff. Oh right my god, we've talked about that before. Like, oh, that who, reminds me of a really. Who cool would thing. have thought 15 years ago material sciences would be a thing you could do? Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, yeah. 30 years ago. When we were, like, doing it, who would have thought, like, let's just play in a lab and mix shit together and, and like, make change the world, right? Like, who would have thought material sciences was a thing? And it is a thing. And it's going to be a thing. Like, I need to, like, tell Max, hey, Max, material science. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I think like that... Like, graphene's not the end of it. Yeah, I think that, the, that, the, that one of the ways you can express this, perhaps, is by talking about how... Spider silk is so much stronger than steel, and yeah. the reason did, why is because the way the material. Did you see is the MythBusters? I, I actually did. That's why it came yeah. up to me is because I, I watched I think um, a clip of of them testing, and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty." cool. They had like the most spider silk ever collected yeah. for like a destructive test. <laughs> I, I I didn't see the entire episode. I didn't know how they got okay. all that silk, but I saw. Uh, there testing. was a researcher. I think he was University of Maryland or something like that. Mm. So spider guy. And they milk spiders, right? And Mythos was able to buy this, like, what was it, eighty thousand strands of silk or something like that? <laughs> something like that. It was, it was, it was the 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 same mass, same as, mass as steel, as as a particular as as a the, basically the thinnest steel thread they could buy. Yeah, yeah. They bought the thinnest steel thinnest steel thread they could buy, measured the mass. And then contracted this researcher to provide the same mass yeah. in spider silk. 
and spider silk is all about the way it's built and what's his material science mm-hmm. and and, uh, and that contributes to more strength in terms of tensile strength uh, than the than the steel mm-hmm. but this was cool this was an article in, in ours that came out and uh, if you look at the headline you're like what kind of bullshit is this <laughs> <laughs> I saw another headline on Scientific America, same kind of thing. Yeah. It's about allergies, and it was like because people plant the female dogwoods and stuff like that, like like so it's about sex and allergies or something like that. You know, it was just a ridiculous headline. Yeah, but so read the headline out loud. Study says ancient Romans may have built invisibility cloaks, quote unquote, on that into structures. Okay, I didn't see the stories. So tell me yeah. about it. So. Even the the subheading is misleading, I think, because foundational patterns in Roman theaters resemble electromagnetic cloaking devices. Okay. So it's like, oh, there's fractals in nature and fractals are cool. You know, it's like it's like almost like a false false equivalency, right? When you get into it and you read it, there's more to it than you might think. Okay. And it's kind of justified. Okay. All right. Okay, so here's the way it works. So there are ways you can make materials such that they cloak against specific frequencies of light. Essentially, they specific frequencies are bent around or... Um, they go, they go, they have, because of the way the material works, they go around the material and therefore it's cloaked in that particular light. They, they can't get it working for, for visible light, of course. They only do it right now, they only do it for thing, for, for, um, for specific va- wavelengths or a couple mm-hmm. specific wavelengths, and it leaves a type of shadow so it's not completely invisible, but it still has the property where your stuff is sort of bent around okay. it and you can't see it. All right. And what these are, are these are you know, transverse light waves. These are waves that you know, mm-hmm. go... Right. Okay. Think about now, move from that to earthquakes and how there are compression waves mm-hmm. and then there are sort of the S waves that go mm-hmm. like this. There are ways that people have designed building materials recently such that the S waves are much more destructive and that these are the these could be dampened or even like cloaked against some of these waves in material, mm-hmm. uh, such that an earthquake essentially sort of go around them, and they don't they're cloaked. Oh, okay. To the earthquake so, waves. so if it was able to either deflect or just not be hugely affected by the wave, mm-hmm. then it's cloaking. cloaked. And ancient structures. Some of them seem to have very similar patterns to the way they were built. Now, it may, now it, it, it's not necessarily saying that they knew. Mm-hmm. It's more saying, yeah, the structures that survived happened oh. to be built this way. Okay. And, uh, and maybe because they, you know, this was a, a civilization that lasted for thousands of years, maybe there were some patterns, patterns that, that they found that, that Like, worked. hey, that last Colosseum didn't collapse. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should build the next one that way. Yeah. The, well, that's an evolution thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that is that is material science evolution right mm-hmm. there, right? And so the headline is kind of justified in some sense. And Okay. And, right. and because when you get into it, they're... Invisible to some force. Mm-hmm. 
or force. Yeah, I guess. In that case, it's a force. Invisibility is all about light, though. I mean, that's why it's in quotes. Yeah, it's it's right. not. Yeah. They're not saying invisibility in quotes. They're yeah. in quote invisibility. Force quotes. immune. Force deflecting. Uh, force absorb. So okay, is it absorbing, no. deflecting, or it, it's, or like it's, sli- it's, slipstreaming? It's or, more slipstreaming. Yeah, at least from from what the yeah. article, from what I was able to get from the article, uh, is that it's more like it, it's either deflecting or or distributing it in such a way that it's Disperse, dispersing. Yeah, dispersing. Mm. Such that it doesn't get reflected. Yeah, I, I'm cu- I'm mostly curious about what the right word is. Yeah that right because this first still doesn't sound right but like if so so think about how light works you we see reflections of yeah. things right so if stuff doesn't and, and that's why stealth works because it doesn't reflect the radar back right but invisibility is completely different invisibility has to still give you a picture of what's uh, on the other side of, of the uh, of what's on the other side and and there are meta materials that can do this mm-hmm. And so I think that they're they're using invisibility cloaks as a way to to to, to approach the concept, but mm. probably that's not the right way to describe it. But it is really interesting, and it taught it, it, it's about how this design has been worked into stuff, and and how really it's about how we can do it. It's well, not I mean, about that's interesting. I mean, I like the evolutionary aspect of material science here, mm-hmm. right? Because the Romans built a Colosseum and it fell down, so they didn't repeat that design. They built another one; it lasted. They duplicate that, and now that's into the like architectural like canon, right? And so, like everything since builds upon those designs. Mm-hmm. Arches, arches are good, right? Yeah. Right? You know, everyone uses arches. And now we understand why arches are so good. But for a long, 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 long time... It was people, probably just somebody... People used arches because, hey, that building over there has arches that didn't fall down. Yeah. Right? You know, and so it's an evolution thing. And you have to have... And you have to know a craftsman who can make arches, right? I mean, so the, so that becomes a thing. You have to have the, the institutional knowledge to be able to, oh. to, to make this stuff, which can get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, what they talk about is how various things are, are there's certain ways you can drill holes around things and to, to have this effect okay. not just particularly the way that there's mm-hmm. um, the, the positions that they're built in but the way the other things you can do to do that which because now we know what we're doing we, we, we understand what we're trying to do and we understand the forces more yeah. because we've had so much people Science. who are thinking about abstract things to be able to, to put this kind of thought into it uh, it's really cool, and, and like the interesting thing about headline of this is it got me reading because I probably wouldn't have read that if it had a mm-hmm. thing like yeah. um, uh, ancient coliseums have earthquake resistant designs. I probably wouldn't have read it, but this got me reading because I'm like, what mm-hmm. the fuck are they talking about? And. <laughs> Those motherfuckers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, because as you read it, because there's a lot here. I mean, there's a good amount here. And it was like, oh. Probably because I knew about my materials. I knew about this stuff. It was easy for me to, to, mm-hmm. to get into it. But um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it's cool stuff. And it's a it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, material science. I, and I've got like the 
I have the Dunning-Kruger understanding of material science. I'm at the point where, where if, if I thought I knew everything, which I, you know, I'm skeptical enough to know I don't, but I, I, I could be like, oh, I know everything about it because I've read a couple things. At that Dunning-Kruger point where you're like, yeah. Yeah. No, I just think that there's... I mean, it goes all the way in... I mean, material science kind of goes all the way into drug interaction and biology and everything, right? Like, this... This... It's how particles fit together, how pe- how, el- mo- how molecules fit together. The spontaneous symmetry breaking stuff applies yeah. to certain peri- parts of material science. There are quasi-particles that enter a tachyon state, quote-unquote, in materials that go through a symmetry break, even in phase change. Mm-hmm. This is... <laughs> This is how it all flies, back. Yeah. But even knowing how circular. drugs interact with, how, you know, drugs interact and stuff, right? That's material. It could be yeah, yeah. materials. And, and that has to do with with things like topology and charges and there's all this stuff. And 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 the reason why we can do this is because there's so many people studying the the intricacies of tiny little things like I'm studying, mm-hmm. uh, and they then work together and they publish yeah. and work together yeah. uh, and figure out how this all can do anyway. I gotta go potty. Yeah, that was but that was a cool post show. Yep. See you guys. Bye.